0: We've always been a stealth consumer facing company, um, whether it's Xbox or the Windows operating system for people, but it's very much helping them further out that expansion and becoming more and more visible because previously they've been hidden behind brands, I will say. And so when you think Microsoft, you don't always think gaming company, usually you think enterprise software enterprise operating system, you think the Windows operating system, but it's very little or very rarely been thought of in the same sentence as something like
1: Facebook. Hi, wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. Welcome to Forbes India's The Daily Tech Conversation, in which we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs, CXOs and investors from around the world whose work has a bearing on India. I'm Hari Arakli and my guests today are Mike Pru, a VP and Research Director, and Will McKeon-White, an analyst at Forrester, a leading technology strategy advisor to businesses around the world. In this conversation, Prue and White point out how Microsoft's deal to buy Activision Blizzard brings the Windows software maker out of stealth as a gaming and consumer company and what that might mean for the gaming industry and consumers around the world, as Microsoft takes a dominant position in what is essentially ground zero for the metaverse. Okay, uh, Mike. Uh, Will uh, welcome to this podcast, and Mike, welcome back. Uh, thank you so much both for making time for this. Uh, just to get us started, Satya uh, Nadella uh, has said that uh, this is a great way for Microsoft to uh, get into uh, metaverse. Uh, but do you mind? Uh, are there some of, some more immediate attractions for him as well? Sure. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Uh, so, uh, one of the big things that's happening through this deal is Microsoft is uh, getting an entire gaming division uh, that they announced. So this is across PC, console, mobile, and cloud. Uh, And what it really gives to Microsoft is this whole notion of being involved in every aspect of of gaming. They're gaining 400 million active users through Activision, Activision Blizzard, and that gives them a much bigger addressable market.
0: So not only are they getting some of the biggest IP titles in gaming as a whole, whether it's World of Warcraft, Call of Duty Warzone, or Candy Crush, um, they're also getting, a, as Mike said, a significant number, or a significant amount of talent. Um, so whether it's the small army of developers that they've hired or the uh, sort of institutional knowledge around that and making that successful, they're getting a significant amount of from this deal, both the immediate future, um, what and what they can provide into the, or what they, I should say what they can push into the Game Pass, offering that Xbox is um, offering and building out more and more um, value, or building more and more value into. Um, but they're also, uh, uh, as you mentioned, building this out for the long term. This is definitely a um, very much a metaverse play, and something that is going to be paying off not just in the media future, but for the long term.
1: Hmm. Of course, while Microsoft probably won't come to everyone's mind when when you mention gaming uh, right off the bat, uh, they're not uh, obviously they're not new to this. I mean, I guess they've been there uh, from the time the first Xbox was released, and, and then Nadella came along buying Minecraft and things like that. Uh, so, uh, to your mind, uh, what's the big picture context uh, in which this deal is happening? What are some of the developments? That one should kind of keep in mind.
2: This is all about this is all about future-proofing Microsoft. Uh, When we look at Forrester data, about a third of adults game uh, in their spare time. But when we cut that data by looking just at Gen Z, that number goes, that percentage goes to over a half. So, you know, part of this is thinking about the future consumer. And it's also recognizing that gaming isn't just about games. It is an interface for entertainment. It's also an interface for work. It's an interface for learning. So this sets Microsoft up for the future.
0: Well said, yeah. And it's really building on or what we've seen Microsoft doing over the past five years is really doubling down onto this strategy of, or into the strategy of cooperation and bringing more and more of the game industry to uh, sort of their sphere of influence. And in certain cases, this is through things like uh, cooperative contracts. And so they've brought People like EA or um, Electronic Arts, as well as Ubisoft, to very big publishers, into the uh, Game Pass subscription offering that they are now providing. In addition to that, they've been some very significant moves through acquisition. And so this isn't the first major acquisition they've done just to supplant or just to support the Game Pass initiative. Um, I believe it was either it was either late 2020 or early 2021 that they acquired, as well as ZeniMax or Bethesda Interactive, mm-hmm. makers of games like Skyrim. Um, and so that provides them a significant amount uh, that provided them with a significant amount of IP, including Doom, um, the original first-person shooter um, under the ID franchise, which was owned by ZeniMax Bethesda. But what they're really doing here is continue to bring more and more value in. To that Game Pass offering, and as Mike said, to future or further future-proof them, the gaming industry as a whole has been experiencing different rounds of consolidation over the years. With actually Activision Blizzard being sort of one of the harbingers of of the um, intermediate rounds of the uh, late twenty uh, late two thousands, early twenty tens, I believe, was when that merger happened but what has been going on here is that games are increasingly expensive to make (laughs) take a significant amount of investment they take a lot of people to do and what's been wonky in the games market is that traditionally there's been cycles of boom and bust where it's been where basically the entire future of a company has relied on the success of a single game release. What Microsoft has been starting to do is try to get the gaming industry out of those cycles. And this isn't the first subscription that we've seen in the marketplace, even Xbox Live helped pioneer some of this way back in the day. But what we're increasingly seeing Microsoft's taking a lead on, I should say, is that they, want to make so that game developers can develop games, and they have a continuous stream of revenue for that. And so not every single game has to be a doorbuster. Not every single game has to be the next Call of Duty, and there's less pressure to deliver the best thing possible. Instead, what they want to do is create increasingly diverse content for the game's Pass. And with Activision Blizzard, one of the things that they have is a lot of very diverse IP. And I mentioned sort of some of the titles earlier, but again, World of Warcraft, Call of Duty, Candy Crush, Spyro the Dragon, um, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. All of these are now coming under the umbrella of Xbox, of Microsoft, and ultimately of Games Pass. Um so there's quite a few cool things happening here as a direct result of that.
1: Mm. And do you see this uh, making Microsoft more of a consumer-facing company as well uh, in the future? I mean, if one looks back at uh, their effort to mm-hmm. uh, make the Windows uh, software for mobile phones, which ultimately you know failed, uh, you know mm-hmm. against uh, Apple and mm-hmm. Android, uh, Google. This looks like uh, maybe uh, another bet now, again, to uh, capture a big consumer-facing market as well.
2: That's a good question. It 100% is. Uh, So, you know, this entire acquisition is about the consumer market and the user base that Microsoft is going to get when this deal is closed. Uh, It allows them to have a consumer experience layer through gaining. And we'll eventually talk about the metaverse uh, that enables them to broaden who they're reaching directly to consumers.
0: Oh, I was was just going to mention as well that that they've always been a stealth consumer facing company, um, whether it's Xbox or the Windows operating system for people, but it's very much helping them further out that expansion and becoming more and more visible because previously they've been hidden behind brands, I will say. And so when you think, Microsoft, you don't always think gaming company. You usually think enterprise uh, enterprise, um, software, enterprise operating system. You think the Windows operating system. But it's very little or very rarely been thought of from the consumer-facing standpoint in the same sentence as something like Facebook. And uh, as Mike said, this is very much starting to help change some of those underlying assumptions that people have when thinking about the brand.
1: Hmm. So let's talk about the metaverse uh, part of uh, the argument for buying Activision. Uh, What kinds of uh, metaverse-ish things are people already doing uh, in the advanced economies in Microsoft's biggest markets and uh, how will this deal actually help Microsoft to tap those trends and influence them?
2: I'm glad you said the metaverse-ish, because uh, we believe that the metaverse does not exist yet. What exists are ingredients to the metaverse, bits and pieces. Uh, but what is required to make the metaverse happen, first and foremost, is interoperability. So if we think about the metaverse as the 3D version of the internet, the ability to have presence, to have your digital avatar, your goods, your products, uh, come with you as you traverse different virtual worlds. That's one of the big visions of the metaverse. And what we also see is that gaming today is one of the biggest potential entry points into the metaverse because gaming environments are already 3D. Uh, and, And a lot of gaming environments are also immersive experiences. So you look at one of Activision Blizzard's main competitors, Epic Games. What Fortnite has been doing, the investments that Epic has been making into things like holding, a, holding virtual concerts for game players to attend. It's these types of experiences now through this acquisition that Microsoft will be able to explore. So it's everything from NFTs, products, virtual goods, experiences that you can have in a more immersive way. So this really sets up an experience layer on top of what Microsoft has already announced back in May, what they're calling their metaverse tech stack. So they're already making plans to help power some of the backend infrastructure for their metaversal vision. Uh, but now they're getting the user experience layer on top of that.
1: Hmm. Uh, can you talk about, uh, on the other side, some of the biggest trends in the video gaming industry and online gaming industry today and how you see this deal? Uh, and, and Nadella talked about wanting to build a Netflix of uh, uh, games or Netflix for gamers uh, earlier on. Uh, so so how, what are the big trends and how do you see this deal uh, impacting the industry?
0: Of course, yeah. Yeah. Uh... So the first big trend I would say that this is really helping lean into, as I talked a bit about earlier, is the subscription model or as a service model. Um, one of the things that gaming has been experiencing over the past decade or so has been a transition from major yearly, bi-yearly, um, basically major release of a game dictating the success of that game usually like the box office there was a sort of opening weekend where you would have most of the sales of a game and then you would have a peak player for however many months and then that would tail off and then you would launch the next one and so on and so forth um but what's been happening over the past 10 years is that we've been moving to an as-a-service model and as mike mentioned some of the most predominant titles in that space like fortnite um uh, like Rainbow Six Siege, like um, Apex Legends, these are all very successful games. Where instead of having a major new release, they're instead releasing seasons, which each where each season introduces new content, new um, gameplay elements, so on and so forth. So it changes up the game, changes up what you're going to be doing in the game, um, and allows you to really sort of create new experiences and keep players invested in this game and activision blizzard has a few very interesting titles under that umbrella where world of warcraft pioneered this entire concept in the 2004 i believe um was when that was first released and uh call of duty warzone is one of the most successful uh, battle royale first person shooters on the market today so not only does microsoft acquire a number of these titles, but they also have a get a significant amount of experience. They get the existing player bases of these platforms, and they get the ability to invest further into these um, uh, intellectual properties. And with the second big trend, I would say, being mobile, which Xbox uh, and uh, Microsoft as a whole haven't had. Too many successful forays into. You mentioned the operating system, which faltered. Um, they haven't published any really first party mobile titles, but one of the things that Activision Blizzard has been investing in pretty significantly over the past five years is bringing more gaming experiences to the mobile platform, um, whether it's uh, Android, whether it's iOS. Um things like Candy Crush through their acquisition of King, um, through the game Hearthstone, which is a card bi- card game effectively. Um, seeing some very impressive success on the part of Blizzard, um, also on PC, but uh, the ability to actually have a significant have the same experiences on PC as well as mobile is one of the bigger bigger attractions of that game. And um, they also have Call of Duty Mobile as well, which has been fairly successful in the, mo- in the mobile space. And so not only does this allow them to build out things like Game Pass um, and the Game Pass value that you can get there through, again, the introduction of yet more titles, uh, but it allows you to allows Microsoft to also start getting their feet wet and to have more of a presence in the mobile space. Um, how that will pan out over the next few years, if they will continue to actively pursue that as a primary platform, remains to be seen. But Microsoft has announced with Game Pass and specifically game streaming, one of the things that they do want to do is to make any device a game device. Um, And so they don't want you just to be banded to Xbox. They don't want you just to be banded to a gaming PC. They want you to be able to play games anywhere, which is admirable and I believe something that they're actually going to make a reality now. not just through these purchases, but because they've been investing so much into the um, Xbox game streaming service, and uh, X, uh, previously known as xCloud. Um, I apologize, there's a lot of different names that it's, uh, that it's gone through, but basically the ability to stream a game to any given device has been a focus of Game Pass and something that they're going to be investing further in. And so sort of the three trends there that this allows them to do is get more as a service, get more games on mobile native, and then also to start introducing some of these IP onto different platforms as well.
2: And the irony in the question is that Netflix wants to be the Netflix of games because they're (laughs) making investments in gaming and specifically mobile games. And the reason why Netflix is doing it is to be able to add more value to its subscription price. Netflix also recognizes that their biggest competitor, they've said this in the past, aren't other streaming services. They're video games, they're the makers of Fortnite, they're Epic Games. And so the parallel here with Microsoft is that that through game Pass they're looking to add more value to that subscription to be able to hold and grow their recurring revenue mm. so
1: uh, from a consumer point of view uh, do you see uh, Microsoft coming out with uh, uh, its own version of something like an Apple One plan uh, where you have a whole bunch of things bundled at an attractive price and even with Office 365, for example, Microsoft has been, I think, reasonably successful in finding price points uh, that uh, quite a few people can uh, you know, uh, afford, even in markets like India, where people are quite price sensitive and so on. Uh, so do you see some kind of a combination of uh, Office 365 and Game Pass, and, and I don't know what else?
0: Good question. I think that would be a little bit trickier compared to Apple because Apple does also have additional services like um, like uh, Apple music Apple TV uh, the ability to bundle those into that creates a significant value proposition now the sort of Xbox side of the house and the Microsoft side of the house have always been a little bit um, partitioned in how they sort of go to market um, and right now I don't Envision them packaging in additional services unless it's provided through a partner. So, something like Spotify um, to be a little bit more consumer friendly, um, just because the sort of uh, logical leaps between Office 365 and Xbox Game Pass are a little bit strong. Um, will Game Pass be included in something like an Office 365 Pro subscription into the future? Maybe that's entirely possible. Um, but I don't necessarily. Anticipate them bringing more services into it unless it's again that partner agreement. Because at the moment, Xbox Game Pass is already um, a significant value for money. I believe it's something like 15 USD per month, and there's hundreds of titles in there that you can play effectively for free. And they're doing things like $1 trials, uh, which allow you to get access to things like. Uh, So uh, AAA, or the highest production cost usually, Um, AAA games on day one release, and in addition to a number of um, older uh, pieces of software, whether it was on Xbox 60, Xbox One, in addition to all these different other new titles, they're increasingly bringing under their umbrella. So good question. Don't anticipate that happening in the immediate future. It might happen as sort of like a bonus bundle inclusion, um, but uh, it's not something that they have quite the same ecosystem as Apple to bring into the market.
1: Mm. And from a uh, from a tech perspective, uh, do you think uh, companies I and mean, companies like Microsoft, Amazon, mm. Google, they have reached a point where they have the technological capability to make uh, cloud gaming? Uh, possible because I mean you need to have very low latency and things like that and of course they've all been opening uh, data center regions uh, in more locations uh, and so on so uh, and and, and you mentioned earlier on that mobile gaming is is the biggest thing and that's the one that's growing fastest so have they now overcome the tech uh, hurdles
0: good question uh from personal experience, not 100%, um, And though that might be more of my own spotty internet connection than anything else, uh, but it's definitely something that these companies are investing fairly significantly in, with, I would say, actually, um, Microsoft having one of the most user-ready solutions, and then... Uh, or I should say, not necessarily user-ready, they all very much are, but um, having one of the sort of best value for money, one of the most attractive for consumer options where not only are they getting a significant library of games, both AAA current as well as some legacy, um, but it's also, they've invested fairly significantly into things like the experience of the device uh, or on-device experience. But what we've learned and what other... um, leaders in the space like uh, NVIDIA through their GeForce Now offering have learned is it's not just a question of latency, unfortunately. Um, it's not just how close can you get things to data centers, it's sometimes the user's internet connection. Um, if they, It doesn't matter how much of a, how much data you can put through your wires if the user can only get a trickle of that. It's a question of are the devices themselves um, able to actually handle uh, the in, um, outbound as well as inbound signal? Um, are they able to refresh at a rate that feels natural to humans. There's a lot of small problems with game streaming um, that we sort of have yet to overcome. So things like input latency is definitely a common problem where you will make a command to the game, send that command to the data center, that data center will process that and then send back to you the image or the result of that input. And uh, depending on how the game itself is architected, um, it might cause a stutter because the game might only be uh, rendering a specific part of the environment at a given time, and so it has to readjust every single time you do that. And so with each and every input, or with what you think is a single input, could actually be maybe a dozen. So an example of that would be turning to the left or right in a first-person shooter game. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Uh,
0: Because of how just games are architected at the moment, it creates a degree of uh, uh, stuttering that sometimes the user can feel. And so there's a number of existing technical hurdles that we have yet to overcome, but we're making significant gains in overcoming those it's it's just more of a question of small techniques and time rather than even a question of sort of technological supremacy at this point um it's uh, how much attention to detail are they, are they investing how much platform specific investment is going on here um and i will say if, if there's any com- any company who's going to be able to create sort of the or buster solution at this point it's probably going to be microsoft again because people are already on the platform one of the biggest issues that cloud gaming has had is having people sign up and experiment with it um it's if you don't have people on the platform you can't iron out the problems and uh that's one thing that i'd say microsoft has where other um other providers have maybe struggled uh, to get the quite the same numbers of people into the um, into their environment as possible.
1: Mm. and from a from a gaming industry perspective, uh, would you say this is a positive development for the industry, or what are the pros and cons? I mean, I've already seen some headlines where people have expressed uh, concern uh, over Microsoft uh, you know looking to totally dominate the scene and things like that. Uh, Mm. Is it good or bad for the industry, or is it a little more nuanced than black and white?
0: I, from my perspective, I would say it's a little more nuanced. Um, uh, so here's my take on it. Uh, from a Microsoft perspective, this is a good thing, of course, they are getting a significant amount of additional IP and being able to bring more and more people into their direct ecosystem, into the first party ecosystem. That's good for Microsoft, and that's good for people who are fans of Microsoft, good for Xbox fans. That means that they'll be getting more as a direct result of their contracts or or of their subscriptions that they've signed with uh, Microsoft. For Activision, it's also a good thing. Um, Activision has been running into some headwinds lately, to put it politely, because there's Mm. been sort of a nightmare scenario going on over there, where there's been a um, not only are they dealing with the fallout of basically um, unaddressed sexual harassment in the workplace, as well as multiple different lawsuits around that, uh, but they've been also dealing with some economic headwinds as well um so they've been having trouble delivering things like uh some more flagship titles like diablo 4 like overwatch 2. these were sort of big titles that they had built their future bets on and the fact that call of Duty vanguard didn't do so hot this year further sundered some of their economic expectations so uh What is going to very likely be happening is an under new management structure. So for folks who are fans of Activision's IT, um, this is a good thing as well. For the gaming industry as a whole, it's yet another consolidation. And so aside from all of the additional circumstances surrounding it, Uh, And I mentioned this earlier, Activision Blizzard was one of these first consolidations, which itself led to a number of different problems, whether it was lack of attention given to certain titles or, again, workplace of toxicity that has led them to significant legal trouble. Uh, That is something that is always pays to be wary of, unfortunately, Um, whether or not. This will happen, again, as a direct result of the Microsoft acquisition. I significantly doubt that. I have great faith in the Microsoft leadership today, and they have a very strong strategy and a strong passion for providing, again, players the best play experience possible, which is good. And they also seem to actually value the lives of the people working for them, um, which doesn't unfortunately always happen in the gaming industry, which is a uh, topic for another time. But at the same time, having so much tied up around a only a few power players in the market is always a danger in any situation, regardless of the benevolence and of the competence of those players. Um, so that's, that's what I will say on the topic.
2: And I'll just add that from a consumer perspective, that there is the potential for a greater and better customer experience because... We've talked about the fact that there will be new and broader delivery models for consumers. Microsoft will have more of the end-to-end gaming experience within their environments, within their worlds, that can uh, give consumers greater scale and access. And then from a metaverse perspective, the vision for the metaverse, like the internet, is predicated on the fact that no one company owns, quote-unquote, the metaverse. And ever since Facebook's announcement of their name change to Meta and making a big deal about their investments in the metaverse, uh, Forster did a survey. And what we found is that, to no surprise, consumers out of all of the companies that have a stake right now, a material stake in the metaverse, consumers associate Facebook, a.k.a. Meta, the most with the metaverse. And here in the U.S., Microsoft is one of the least associated. So what this gives Microsoft is um, the ability to change and shift that reputation, but also have a much bigger foothold to compete and or complement with the likes of Meta and also Epic Games, which has also made huge billion dollar investments in into the nascent metaverse.
1: Mm. And- So, yeah, so how do you uh, see uh, Facebook, Google, Apple, uh, and even Amazon uh, react to this? Uh, And uh, in in addition to uh, these big names that kind of obviously comes to one's mind, uh, which other companies uh, might be impacted by this deal uh, uh, positively or potentially negatively? I mean, what happens to companies like Twitter or even semiconductor companies like NVIDIA and AMD? Of course,
2: as we just discussed, with gaming being, you know, essentially ground zero for the metaverse, that most, if not all of these companies are aggressively pursuing what their potential and future
0: metaverse strategy is going to be. Good question. Um, So I'll I'll sort of bracket this out into a few different places. Uh, So for other game makers, it's definitely a little worrying. Uh, so for folks like EA and Ubisoft, it becomes a question of, all right, so what happens if we don't decide to cooperate with Microsoft at this point? Uh, what happens then? Do we just get bought out? What is the what is our future here? Um, so I know that definitely this definitely has a few folks uh, questioning what's going on and sort of what the future will look like for independent publishers in the future. Um, can they have any... 500-pound gorillas to back them up in whatever deals that they sign. Um, for hardware manufacturers, the dollar signs are definitely going off in their eyes because that'll probably mean uh, more and more consoles are being purchased, more pieces of hardware are being purchased, and more opportunities for things like um, value-add for the partnerships, for things like a better optimized uh, play on certain platforms and the like. Um, one of the really impressive things that um, NVIDIA and AMD have been doing are Based not just game-specific drivers, but game-specific features like using local hardware to increase the frame rate through AI gen AI-assisted rendering um, of different scenes, which is wild. Um, so good for them; they're probably pretty happy about this. Um, when it comes to social media companies, they're probably a little. I don't necessarily want to take, say take it back, but definitely taking stock as to what the potential threats here could be. Um, this isn't necessarily a direct line of sight from something like this acquisition to negatively impacting Twitter, um, but we've seen other and odder things happen in market movements. Uh, though I will say probably the Biggest worries that are come, or the companies that are worrying the most would have to be Nintendo and Sony. Nintendo has their own sort of fiefdom, if you will, in the gaming space and are very comfortable with that. But Microsoft's growing influence is always uh, noteworthy for a direct competitor. And then uh, Sony actually saw a pretty sharp drop in their stock price as a direct result of this. Sony is still bigger as a media organization by significant margin, um, but Microsoft has been closing the gap and this was a purchase made all in cash is worth noting. Um, so they're probably trying to figure out how to best pursue uh, additional partnerships and the like.
1: Okay. And and finally, uh, are there ways, uh, are there any ways or areas in which this deal might be uh, relevant to Microsoft's enterprise business as well? I mean, do you see uh, an Accenture building uh, a Nike metaverse uh, inside uh, a World of Warcraft environment. And I'm just thinking a lot, uh, not necessarily very clued into how some of these things work. And, and, and other mega consumer facing brands uh, looking to tap this uh, on the Microsoft cloud inside an Activision uh, created environment. So, there's the potential of that.
2: So, you know, one of the interesting things about Microsoft is that they already have their foothold in. The enterprise side of the quote-unquote metaverse. They made announcements uh, several months ago about their uh, vision for Microsoft Teams as it relates to uh, the metaverse and uh, employment and working and collaboration. Uh, And we've already talked about their announcements in their uh, vision for a metaverse tech stack as well. So by adding the consumer metaverse aspect to it, there could be potential connections across the enterprise and the consumer, because they're all going to be housed, uh, potentially, uh, within a similar or same tech stack. And that could bring out new experiences and new opportunities that we might not even be imagining right now.
1: Okay, excellent. Uh, Very interesting conversation. Uh, Mike, uh, Will, thank you again for making time for this. I definitely hope to keep the conversation going.
2: Absolutely. Our pleasure, Harry. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: Have a great day. That was Mike Prue and Will McKeon-White. That's it for this conversation. You can find all our podcasts at ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakali. Thank you for listening.